Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Hello and welcome to the 2023 college football season. You are listening to Wannabe Walk-Ons, a Nebraska football and craft beer podcast. The official podcast of the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild and a proud member of the Herd at Sports Network. I'm Drew and I am joined as always by my friend and co-host Ben. Oh man! (laughs) It's gonna be one of those guys. I don't have a voice. Thanks, Drew, and thank you for joining us. For those new to the show, each episode, Drew and I will sample craft beer, mostly local, some beyond, while sharing our unique brand of Husker insight. Uh, We encourage you to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or X at Wannabe Walk-Ons for the most up-to-date show information. And please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform or listen to each episode on wannabewalkons.com. On this week's episode, Ben and I will sample Lumen Beer Company, recap the Michigan State game, and preview Nebraska's matchup against the Maryland Terrapins. I'm Drew. And I'm Ben. And this is Wannabe Walk-Ons. I tried to come in (laughs) with such nice energy knowing that my voice has taken a hit this week. And I was like, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm going to, I'm going to bring the energy this episode, you know, because I feel like we need to bring the energy this week. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I opened my mouth, nothing came out, (laughs) which if that's not indicative of the way that, that this past game went where like you, you saw moments where they were trying to have surges of energy and like, it just wasn't clicking for for a plethora of reasons, for whatever reasons and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I should let people know. Because it, it's not fun to listen to someone who's losing their voice. Like, I sound like that girl at the party whose voice is always like this. And, like, <laughs> yeah. she's the worst person to talk to. You don't want to talk to her. And she's just like, how are you doing? And you're like, why does it sound like that? This is not illness. This is not me screaming at my TV. This yeah. is literally just, I woke up this morning and I was losing my voice. Thank you, Fall. Thank you, dust in the air. Thank you, all of this kind of garbage that's going around the Midwest as far as the allergy season never wanting to die. (laughs) The frost temperature is just above freezing instead of below. And I just can't wait for that first like total freeze. Yeah. But here we are. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm dying. I'm I'm Um, sure that you're enjoying this. (laughs) 
I am as somebody who has never suffered from allergies of any sort. It's oh. really hard for me to um, relate. <laughs> and as somebody who clearly has like no empathy, empathy, <laughs> <laughs> I can take that. Yeah, I can handle it. Hey, um, yes. How'd your Phillies do? Oh, this come on, man. <laughs> I know, that was a low blow. The yeah. Ra- the Rangers won, though, which yeah. is pretty cool. Yeah. We, we normally do your postseason baseball bit. But, your, child, uh, your childhood dream finally came true, and I'm so happy for you after all these years of... Yeah, not giving a shit. Yeah, yeah. It was this. It was this delayed moment of excitement. I think it was the least watched postseason World Series in like the modern era. It, yeah, and I didn't know the Rangers won until the next day. That's how invested I was, even though they were my childhood <laughs> team. It was decidedly an uneventful World Series and playoffs, like on the whole, for yeah. for most for most just general sports fans. Sure. So. Um, I tried to watch some of it. I never, I didn't tune into a single pitch though. Like I would get close. Like I would have it like on my phone or on the, up, like up on the TV and I'd be yeah. ready to like put my thumb would be like hovering over the play. And I just, and I just, the bitterness was still very much alive and Even, I couldn't do it. You know what? That's impressive. Uh, that you have that kind of reaction time seeing as how there's now a pitch clock that you can choose not to see a single pitch. <laughs> that, like you're making your mind up pretty quickly there. Yeah. This is probably insufferable <laughs> for people to have to listen to this. It's not that bad. It's gotten better since that the opening. <laughs> well, that's because actual sound is coming yeah. out. I'm sure oh, they're man. like, I, I feel bad if anyone's listening and their dog was in the car when that it probably <laughs> sounds like a dog whistle. Just a high pitched squeal came out. Oh, man. I knew it was coming and it still caught me off guard. I didn't. It, that wasn't on it purpose. Wasn't. <laughs> I was trying like. There was probably a good delay, like a, a Godzilla movie that's been dubbed where like my mouth is moving, <laughs> yes. but no sound was coming out. Oh, man. Uh, but you know what helps? You know what helps when you have a throat like this? Hmm. Some good beer. Yes. And you were you were so kind. I sent you a text, a panicked one at that Thursday because my week's been a hell of a week. And I was like, I need I need you to find beer. <laughs> and you delivered, man. I, you know what? I have a knack for finding beer, like in a pinch, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It turns out it's not that hard (laughs) here in Nebraska to find good beer. And, and so I'm just going to, I'm going to turn around in a circle, stop and head in a direction. And (laughs) when I run into a brewery, bump into some beer. Well, can you tell the fine folks who are are listening what uh, you brought for us to enjoy today? Of course. Yeah. We're sampling from Lumen Beer Company, which is down in Little Bohemia. I did a nice little write up like you normally do for our uh for our previews on on beer companies so here it goes wonderful i'm excited to sit back and not talk (laughs) i think so is everybody else uh located in little bohemia in omaha lumen beer company opened their doors in 2022 owner and head brewer dan broilette brought more than just a brewery to the historic neighborhood he created a space where enthusiasts and newcomers alike could experience beer in a whole new light while the brewery's focus is on IPAs, sours, and stouts, there are truly no limits when it comes to Broilette's creative process. His passion for experimentation has established Lumen's reputation as a brewery that loves to push boundaries by utilizing a variety of flavors, non-traditional ingredients, and brewing methods in exciting and unexpected places. Whether it's pouring the perfect West Coast-style Pilsner or adding vegan gelato to a fruited sour, Broilette and Lumen never hold back and always deliver on a beer like any other. Very nice. There you go. Add a vegan gelato. <laughs> right? Why not? Um, yeah. He, Broilette says he just has a passion for experimentation, um, an interest in, in food, and so trying to, you know, recreate your favorite dessert, but in the form of beer and just, again, just pushing boundaries and trying to 
um, you know, see see what <laughs> what he can come up with. Um, Lumen is they operate on a on a pretty small scale. I think they got like a five barrel system, so that allows for um, for him to experiment and try new things without you know making a, a huge batch. Yeah. Um, if if things go awry, as they sometimes do. And so, uh, yeah, so we, you know, we celebrate a lot of breweries that, um, you know, brew like traditional or classic styles of beer, um, and for good reason, uh, and, and Broilet is kind of going against the grain in that sense. And he's, even he still brews traditional styles, but he tries to figure out, um, you know, how you can take a great style and make it new and interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And I think another one of the things that we like to celebrate is the community aspect and the fact that, uh, you know, Brulette took an investment in his brewery to open up in Little Bohemia, an area that's trying to revitalize itself and mm-hmm. has done in the in the past uh, few years. Infusion opened up uh, a tap room down there. Um, but there's been like a lot of businesses changing hands down in that area to try and uh, bring a, a new area for Omaha. And so I think it's also really cool that you've got a guy who's trying to go against the grain while still having respect for the old styles and trying to enhance a community. Like it's kind of ticks all the boxes of everything that we really like about a brewery. Um, And I think Lumen's been one that we've been meaning to have on the show for a long time. I know that you're a fan of theirs. Mm -hmm. Uh, And after a first few sips, like for a a good reason, one, it's already taken care of my my little baby throat. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But two, this beer is delicious. Why don't you tell us what we're what we're starting the episode off with? Yeah, we started off with um, with a big one. This one's called Cloak and Dagger. It's an imperial stout. It clocks in at ten and a half percent ABV. It's described as a big bodied stout with notes of salted caramel, dark fruits, and light roast. Um, I went with it because I knew that this was (laughs) this was Saturday was tough, um, and sometimes it's just nice to respond with a beer that kind of is soothing i guess and it's also like it is as we enter the colder months it's that time where these big bodied stouts and uh dark dark heavy viscous sort of beers do kind of bring a little bit of uh comfort in the winter months yeah they warm the belly they they warm the soul they make you feel taken care of and hugged and and then they also give a little lightness to your brain and and let you kind of just disappear (laughs) into them uh, I think I think the descriptor on this one really nails it on the head. When we cracked this beer open and poured it out, uh, I guess we should also say that we're sharing one. Like this kind of a big beer yes, is, is a yeah. perfect beer for sharing. Um, that the 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 f- dried fruit, the the rich fruit notes really came through. Reminded me of like a port wine, um, less a stout on the nose, uh, which was which was really kind of. Um, like aggressively there, right? You don't always mm-hmm. get that when you hear like, oh, there's no hints of fruit. You don't always find that. Yeah. This one's really present. Um, but on the palate, I said I wanted to save this description for okay, you for yeah. when we were recording. On the palate, close your eyes and okay. imagine that you're at a birthday party. Okay. And they pull out the ice cream to go with the cake and it's a Neapolitan ice cream. Mm. And you just want chocolate, Right. Someone runs the ice cream scoop through the chocolate and they just, they just graze the strawberry. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking right? about. And so you get that cho- mm-hmm. the rich chocolatey notes that are just finished with a nice little fruitiness. And you're like, I didn't really want the strawberry in my chocolate, but now that it's there, I'm not mad at it. Yes. And so this kind of has like the fruitiness isn't so much on the palate as, as domineering as it is on the nose. But when you're actually like tasting it, those rich kind of dark, deep, notes that you would expect from a stout are there and then it lightens with that strawberry yeah. i love that finish yeah i love the way that that kind of just puts the little the little exclamation mark on the end of the beer 
Yeah, I have to imagine that's where the name comes from, Cloak and Dagger. Like, there is that little something extra hidden underneath, Yeah, um, you know, what's obvious. And so, um, this is great. It's, it's, I can only imagine how it feels on your throat. Like, it is, it is, it is so, like, rich and smooth and, and just viscous. Not to um, not to turn anyone off. My throat doesn't hurt. Oh. <laughs> it's just like lubrication <laughs> to get sound to come out. But like, yeah, it's like yeah. got that like sort of oily quality to it. Um, but yeah, this is this is a really great beer, and um, yeah, Lumen Lumen I, like has never disappointed me, um, which is pretty impressive. Again, considering like just like just the odd um, and unexpected directions like that they'll go with their beers. Um, and we this is another thing we've talked about with you know tr- trusting brewers to to. Um, create things and express things through their beer and doing it well and doing it consistently consistently is, is a very difficult thing to do. Um, but yeah, bro, that's been able to, to do that every time. Can I, can I throw out a hot take? Yeah. Hot that, takes. Let's go. Okay. Hot take, hot take. So my hot take <laughs> after saying it three times, a hot take will appear. Um, I don't think that when a brewer does and takes chances like this beer takes chances, I don't think that it's a bad thing if you don't like every beer that you try in that vein, mm-hmm. right? It's the same thing if you go to a fine dining restaurant and the chef is taking a chance and it's not necessarily a food that you would like. And if you take a bite of that, you go, you know, what? I don't really, I still don't care for that, even though it's a world-class chef preparing this or a world-class brewmaster preparing this. Just because you don't like it doesn't mean you can't respect the effort that went into it, the mindfulness that went into it. This obviously isn't the case with this beer. I mean, this is delicious, but when I hear things like there's a vegan gelato added to a beer, I go, I don't know if that's up my alley, but what is up my alley is the chance that someone's taking on that, especially with how long beer takes from start to finish. Like mm-hmm. that's not something where you do it today and tomorrow you can see the fruits of your label, La- label, labor. <laughs> that's something where you do it today and then you have to wait and give it time and you still have to care for it, even if it's not going to turn out perfect. And so there's such a respect for guys who are, they're doing that and not just as a hobby, but in, in a way that they're gambling their livelihood and their well-being on. Um, so I have a great respect for that. And so like, I always like to try those beers, the ones that sound like I'm not going to like them just because maybe one out of six times I will, but the other five times it's like, I still respect the madness that went into that. Right. Yeah. Embrace the chaos and embrace the big 10 West of it all. <laughs> right. So I, I just wanted to give credit for that on, on that too, where you know, if, if you try something and you don't like it, doesn't mean the rest of the beer is not good. It yeah. just means like that's the chance, right? Like this is this. I'm sure that the first time that someone said, like, we're going to put vanilla bean in a beer. People are like, you're insane. And then we get something that infusion throws out at us, you know, right. with a vanilla bean blonde. And there's so many. The first time someone was like, let's put pumpkin in a beer. And now it's a freaking movement every fall. You know what I mean? Or pickle juice. Pick, I was gonna, yeah, I was gonna not my pickle. thing, no. but I'm glad people like it. Yep. So <clears throat> cool. Well, nice. thank you for supplying these. I'm looking forward to tasting the next beer we have on the docket a little bit later on okay. in the episode. Always happy to share. But before we move on, we want to take a quick moment to talk about our very special show partner, the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild. Longtime listeners of the show know Wannabe Walk-Ons is the official podcast of the NCBG. The Guild is a professional organization that protects the craft brewing industry in Nebraska. The Guild's main focus is to encourage folks of a legal drinking age to drink Nebraska beer, ciders, and seltzers through promotion, education, and events. 
The Guild is proud of the delicious brews being put out by the brewing industry and the economic and social impact they are making in their communities across the state of Nebraska. You can visit Nebraska.beer and check out the Guild's new website, which has excellent resources for finding Nebraska craft beer, cider, and seltzer near you. All right. So we got a good beer at our side. We've got we've got some witty banter already going as we're making fun of one another and poking fun at my voice and all that sort of stuff. So let's let's get the hardship out of the way, man. Okay. Nebraska falls to Michigan State. Nebraska falls to five and four on the season. Michigan State improves to three and six on the season with a score of twenty to seventeen. A, a real a real heartbreaker if you started watching it right at the end, but kind of an inevitable outcome if you started watching from the beginning. Yeah, they never like ever felt it, it really felt like it, the juice when was they there. Were yeah. yeah. Um yeah, this was a tough one. This was frustrating uh to watch and I think all, all of my frustrations really were I mean, no, I shouldn't say that. A lot of my frustrations were with the offense, with um with with Harburg's play. Um but even the defense today, like they, they played good. They were really good. It but they just weren't and they admitted it too. Um, they just weren't up to their standard. Sure. And uh, and so yeah, there was like that all game, and then special teams too. Even was um, especially the punting game on you know both, both sides punting and returning yeah. was just yeah, there was just a lot a lot out there that just kind of left a sour taste in your mouth. And um and th- and this was one of those games where I th- I think in the past we would have really been maybe a little quicker to say. Well, yeah, like they they played poorly in all three three phases or didn't play up to their their usual standards, um, you know, negative three in the turnover margin, but they only lost by three and they had a chance to win the game. And it's like, but we've we've seen that narrative and that script so many times in games now, um, and coming off of a a three game win streak, being you know in the thick of things and an admittedly kind of <laughs> fucked up division, but you know, but essentially having a lot of control in in the outcome as far as um, you know how how your season can can end. Um, it, was, it was just disappointing on the whole to to see them um, you know come away with a loss. So yeah, uh, I did have a question for you though. Cool. Okay. I have a full voice to okay. answer that question with. <laughs> how much blame do you put on Nebraska for losing this game, and how much blame do you put on the referees? I, Where do you fall in that? Yeah, argument. so I'm I'm a I'm I'm in the camp of don't get to a situation where the referees have to call uh, call the game a certain way in order for you to win, right? Like don't put it in their hands, especially if if you know if we're negative three in the turnover margin. Yeah, the referees were were pretty bad. There were some egregious missed calls on the face mask, on the pass interference downfield for Malachi Coleman where he got collided with by two Michigan State. Uh, Secondary players, um, there was Malachi's first down. That was not called a first down. It was ruled a second and one, and so the clock didn't stop for them to get to the line and then roll from there. There was the fumble slash incomplete pass, hand moving forward that wasn't even looked at. So there were a lot of calls in crucial moments that were very obvious or that should have at least received some consideration. Um, I am not in the camp of the the touchdown that Michigan state scored that was not overturned that one to me, I understood why it stood because I don't think that there was enough evidence that ball didn't jarble loose the way that they normally do on an overturned call. And the ground can be used so long as you have control of the ball before going down to the ground. So on that one, I went, 
I can see where in a crucial situation, but to me, it's also, it's like baseball, right? Like umpires will extend their strikeout zone. If you've proven that you are like placing the ball where you want it, if you've had control over the the pitch, the entire game, and then you start to pick spots where you're getting guys to swing on it and, and take it outside, they start to widen that strike zone and give the benefit of the doubt. And so if a team is struggling and they're showing like they're not the team that's in it, there's other times too where I look at officials and I go, well, they're just calling to the level of the play on the field. Hmm. And and so I I just think if you're playing at a level where the officials can um, dictate the outcome of the game, you're not playing at a high enough level. Yeah. And so that's where I stand on that. That doesn't say that there weren't egregious calls and that I'm not surprised this is the same uh, officiating team that officiated Iowa and Minnesota. Uh, Ooh. I don't know if you knew that. They, I did not. So they're still allowed. Huh? <laughs> they're still alive. Wow. They made it out of wherever that game they, was played. They can still. Wow. Yeah. So okay. That's that's how I feel on that. And part of that is me coping and being like, well, I can be mad at the refs, but really, I want my team to get to to at least six wins this season, and I'm just placing blame elsewhere. Um. But the other part of it is I'd like to get to a point to where that doesn't matter for us as a team. Yeah. Especially against a two and six team that doesn't have a head coach. Like, so I, I can, I can be upset with that, but it's, it's, it's a bigger picture. Yeah. Kind of argument. I don't know. How do okay. you, I uh, no, I'm, I'm pretty much like identical to you. I think that, yeah, Nebraska didn't play in a way that where they deserve to, to win at all. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm upset. I'm upset by the poor refereeing just all around. I think it was, you said it was egregious. I mean, there were things that were incredibly obvious that they did, it did sway. It did sway the game. I don't yeah. know if it swayed the outcome, um, but it, it was, it was big enough moments where you could, you could look at it and say like Nebraska really probably could have come away with a win had those calls gone I, I think, the right way. I think the ones that really bother me, like the, the face mask was a big deal, uh-huh. um, especially when like everyone in the world could see the ref's lips say he didn't grab. And then you see the replay and he very clearly had a hand. It was, tu- it was around. turned yeah. around. Yeah. And then the next play was an interception, I believe. That was the um, no. The next play, I think they ended up actually converting on the after. The, no, no. They the next play with after the face mask was the sliding, and they they called the unsportsmanlike against Michigan State. Okay, and so, so like oh, that one right. actually they had ended multiple, up multiple makeup calls. Actually it felt like that it drive. that that balanced back out on that one. It was the um, the missed pass interference on Malachi. The next throw was the interception. That's what it was. Okay, so like those are the situations where you're like, okay, maybe that can sway and change the outcome of the game. You get the interception there, or you don't get the interception there, and you score on that drive, and there's a little bit more time to go out, get the ball back, and maybe play. But I don't know. I mean, like in in college ball, it's not a spot foul. You would only get 15 yards on that one. Um, and so does is it enough the way that Nebraska's offense was operating? Was that ball catchable, arguably? Um, the route Malachi was running, he had kind of flattened out his route instead of continuing vertical, and the ball was a little bit high. I don't know if you if he's moving along with that ball, does he make that play instead of getting hit by the guy? So it's an execution thing, right? Mm-hmm. And again, if your team's not executing, why would the officials give you the benefit of the doubt that you were going to execute? So yeah. I think that's a great point. I didn't even, honestly had never thought of that. You never thought that. I'd pull a baseball metaphor into that, yeah, yeah. into football. <laughs> I know, I know a little bit. Yeah. Well, you, yeah, your team won this How year. How are I would you hope. doing? It's so good to see you. <laughs> sorry, sorry. 
Everyone's got to like turn the treble down in their car and like <laughs> pump the bass to just help me out here. Oh man, yeah. When you go to the lower register, you're there. I know, I but if I get you. excited and it starts to kind of like work its way yeah. up, <laughs> we don't have much to be excited about. So, good news. I mean, we're still five and four through nine games, right? This is still like there's to me there's 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 so much has been hung on the this is a year two comment from Matt Rule. It was year two when the season started and we were at, you know, full power with the offensive weapons that were available to us when we had the confidence of um, what the starting quarterback position could look like, how this offense could perform. I mean, this offense, if it's averaging a touchdown more per game, this is a whole different conversation. But there's so much development that's going on for this offense. We've got a Frankenstein offensive line at this point. We've got a Frankenstein wide receiver room. We've got a running back room where um, the guy I think who got the most touches yesterday was a wide receiver. You know, like there's there's a whole lot of, of question marks where they're still trying to figure this stuff out. But I think in the background and behind the scenes, guys are continuing to develop. And so to me, yes, this might be a year two, but think of this more as like this is year two A and next year is year two B, right? We're going to see this as one long string, one long strand that when these two years combine together, we get to a win total where we're happier with. And then things start to roll in year three, four, five under Matt Rule. So as as disappointing as yesterday was and how how badly I want to get to that six win mark and and celebrate the fact that we're going to see a postseason, I really am more concerned with the development and those extra 15 practices and stuff like that. Like that feels like this coaching staff will make the most of that. But I also see three more opportunities ahead of us and I'm not going to wane my my enthusiasm for the potential because when we hit that stretch with with Illinois, Northwestern, and Purdue, you know, I don't know that I felt like the outcome that came from that was the outcome I expected. And for them to have that kind of turnaround, um, so yeah, like I as 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 much as I'd like to stay in the lower register, there's still going to be some high pitched <laughs> stuff that comes out because I I do still have excitement for this season, mm-hmm. um, and I've been patient for 20 years so why not be patient for another season another if i have weeks. to yeah yeah i think one i think um you know perspective kind of matters too if, um if you were presented with all like all the information that we have right now if you were given that at the very beginning of the season in terms of um you know the amount of injuries the way that the quarterback position played out um you know how great this defense has been uh just the the shenanigans going on with the teams in the west and 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 you said hey like you know, by the time you get to your, your final three games, you're going to be at, you're five and four, um, despite all everything going on. I think most fans would have taken that. And if you cut the season in half and you say, hey, like, like think back to before we started that three game win stretch. Um, and we were we were looking at these four games or saying, hey, these are really winnable games. But we could also lose any or all of them. Um, I think anybody, most anybody would have said three and one would be fantastic going three and one in those four games however it needs to get diced up would be great because then you're you're getting five and four and then you got three games to get to bowl contention and yeah like we wanted to get to that fourth win or you know sixth win I guess in um this past Saturday um but but yeah this is this is like you said it's it's still a developmental year it's still um a developmental program under Matt Rule um and he's trying to develop He's trying to develop a lot of guys, I think, a lot quicker um, than he probably would have wanted to. Yeah. By putting them in 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 pretty big situations, and so um, you know that stuff can pay off in the long run. It's just it in the in the meantime, 
it's, it's, it sucks. it's growing pains, man. Like yeah. it really is. I don't want to take away from, from the frustration of, of what happened against Michigan state by any means. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I still expected us to come out and at least hit them in the mouth and, and, you know, make them feel the kind of football that Nebraska wants to play. Uh, but Michigan state came out with a really solid game plan against Nebraska. You know, um, I guess we can maybe start diving into talking some of the specifics about the game and we'll start with yeah. Nebraska's offense. Um, I thought that when you compare what Purdue did against Nebraska, where they had a safety drop back to spy on uh, Heinrich and, and make sure that he didn't really scramble and do a whole lot of damage, Michigan State goes, fuck that. We're just going to pressure him all game. We're going to make him make decisions. We're going to make him uncomfortable in the pocket so that he can't escape. And so they were just bringing pressure the entire game. You know, they had five, six guys. They were four guys were collapsing that pocket in, not giving him room to throw the ball. And credit to their secondary, too. They were playing physical. I've always, uh, this whole season, I've been so excited with and so impressed with how physical the wide receivers have played um, and in the blocking uh, for the run game, just in running the routes and finding ways to get open, stuff like that. Michigan State was like, all right, you're going to come in here and you're going to try and bully us. What we're going to do to you first. Now, there were a couple of plays where they got called for holding, defensive holding on Malachi because 21 was having a hard time keeping up with him. And you thought, hey, this might be a good sign that Malachi is going to start to bust open and have a big game. But I think that that physicality, just like Nebraska's wide receivers being physical, can wear down a defense. Same thing happens on the offensive side, right? Michigan State did a great job of uh, over-physicalizing and and just being the more dominant team on the defensive side of the ball. And when you're facing an offense that's struggling to play within the identity they want to play with, man, that's a winning recipe to just shut them down. Yeah, and whether Harburg kind of came in off his game or that pressure is what rattled him and kept him off, um, it, it worked. I mean, he looked, he looked, um, uncertain of, of whether he wanted to tuck and run or, or hold up in the pocket. And, um, we saw a lot of, a lot of pressure off the edge that led to, you know, strip sack and a fumble and, um, you know, and led to the, the, I guess the second to last play being a so-called fumble. And, um, yeah, they did a, they did a really great job of, of keeping him off schedule. Um, I think that, I think, you know, when, when, when Harburg was on, he, his receivers weren't always helpful. They were dropping some balls in there. Um, but I think it's still encouraging as far as Malachi Coleman goes, like seeing him, um, being developed as, uh, a deeper threat is something that, that we were lacking at the beginning of the year. Um, and have been searching for and seeing him come along in that, in that regard. I think that's encouraging. I think that they'll continue to work with him there and, um, I think he can end up being a handful. And so then it's just going to be, you know, making that connection, you know, making that connection happen a little more frequently and without uh, tossing the inter- interception or <laughs> getting yeah. tangled up with safeties. Yeah. I, I think, you know, a lot of, a lot of my thoughts from this game offensively do come from the passing game. The first thing I want to throw out there is I thought Fedoni had a good game. Um, his hands were, he was sure handed. He was working his way open as best he could. Michigan state then started to, you know, give him a little bit more respect and they started to play him a little bit more physical. But when he was targeted, he came down with some big catches. You talked about receivers having kind of a rough game. Uh, you know, Bullock was targeted quite a few times. He was working his way open, just wasn't able to pull the ball in. And I thought Harburg put the ball in some good spots for him to be able to make plays and they just weren't coming down in, in crucial moments. Uh, but when you've got like Lloyd Doss and Malachi, those guys are, are learning, they're developing. And I think when the offensive staff goes back and looks at this game. And when Harburg goes back and looks at the, the, you know, the 22 view where he gets to see the whole thing, he's going to see a lot of open stuff on the underneath route. 
And I think one of the things that is like an epidemic among young quarterbacks is trying to do too much. And if you can get a young quarterback who's willing to take what a defense is giving you, that's when you see the high percentage numbers. That's when they start to then respect the dink and dunk game. That's when you start to get real nice yards after catch because you've caught the ball in five yards and you can start to work your way open. There was a lot of stuff underneath that was there that would have been for huge chunk plays. Uh, but I think Harburg maybe felt the pressure and wasn't able to work his way through his progressions because of that that pass rush that Michigan State was so successful with. Uh, and so I think a lot of stuff was missed that was out there for the taking. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's something that we see develop over the next three games is like, hey, that might be your primary read now instead of your third read. You know, let's start to just let's just work through our progressions, um, you know, long, uh, short to long instead of long to short, uh, especially when we start to get into, you know, the, the month of November and the wind is blowing a little bit more and we're going up against uh, a defense in Maryland that's familiar with the passing game and then a couple of shutdown defenses in Wisconsin and Iowa who aren't going to let you do a whole lot anyway. So just take what they give you. Yeah, um, that that to me was kind of the passing game in a nutshell um, on, on Saturday. Yeah, um, I guess as far as the running game goes, I really liked what Emmett Johnson did. I thought um, we talk about being physical. He was he was running hard and he was running into contact and through contact and a little bit of a pinball back there yeah. running back. He um, looked really good to start the game too, and then just kind of just uh, yeah, like, like my voice disappeared <laughs> <laughs> mysteriously. Um, yeah, I kind of wondered, you know why they got away from him. I don't think I'm not in the camp of, you know, Satterfield called a terrible game or he's a bad coordinator. And, you know, we've gone over that quite a bit, but I, this was a game where, um, you know, they weren't, they weren't trailing by two scores for most of it. And, um, and like I said, Johnson was running hard. He's, he's been protecting the ball really well. Um, you know, Harburg obviously was dealing with whatever and, and so that felt like a good situation where it was like, hey, you know, just hand it off to your guy. Um, you know, mix Anthony Grant in there. They were trying to get fleeks going too on the edge, which wasn't working out very well. And so it was just like, let's just let's just hand it up and and, and you know, pound the middle and and try to be the more physical team here. And I and I wish that they would have um, you know, stuck with that plan a little bit more because I think that there could have been uh, a lot more success and and so that was that was frustrating, but at the same time, glass half full. Uh, you know, Emmett Johnson has continued to show up game in and game out, you know, after being called on and, and uh, I'm excited to see how he, how he continues to develop and how he grows, you know, as he gets older. Yeah, that was definitely a frustration. Um, we had a nice big watch party where there were plenty of us here. I had just under 20 people at my house to watch the game. And so we were really excited for what this might bring. And, you know, Michigan state goes down, they get three points early, but then Nebraska is able to start running the ball and, moving the ball with uh, with Emmett Johnson. And so we thought, okay, this is going to be the recipe for success today is we're going to keep doing what Nebraska's been doing. Run the ball and then f- take your shots when the shots are there. And uh, the game plan did kind of change from that, right, where the ball started to go through the air a whole lot more and there was a lot of uh, incompletions and then a uh, few interceptions. I thought ball security, though, from the non-quarterback position was improved this week. Uh, there weren't balls on the ground like there have been in the past. There weren't questionable moments or anything like that in the run game. Uh, but I'm yeah, I'm I'm right with you. Like I really wanted them to stick with Emmett and just keep trying to pound the rock and try and blow that open. And you know, if if you're the the, the wide receiver core for Nebraska just didn't have the opportunity a lot of the game to be the physical guys. Um, there are some blocks being missed early on outside on the edge uh, that would have sprung for some big runs. Um, 
there, there was just a lot where it, it did. It just felt kind of, I don't want to say lackadaisical or like there wasn't an effort given because that's not fair, right? No, there was, there was definitely an, an effort given and stuff like that, but it just, it felt like one of those games where the, they didn't hit the flow. They didn't, they didn't find the groove in the way that they really wanted to. Um, and, and Michigan state just took advantage of that. And you could see on the Michigan state sideline, like they were there, they were present for that game. It remind it, it had the feeling walking into it of Nebraska, Iowa last year, right? Where a team with nothing to lose goes up to a team who's, trying to accomplish something and they're just caught off guard with how the other team is, is there performing. Um, and, and at the same time, it's like Nebraska's team is still a growing team. We've talked, you know, we talked about it already this episode, like this is still a developmental moment for this team. And Matt rule talked about that, right. And his presser uh, after the game, like we just have to learn how to play meaningful football in November and stay focused on that. And yeah. I think that that like, sums it up beautifully. Oh yeah, yeah. Because this is this is a position they've not they haven't been in. No, um, not since a lot of these guys were probably in high school. Have they played meaningful football this late into the season? Yeah, yeah. And so this is a this is another um, big picture development learning opportunity for this team. And um, we talked about them turning the corner already in terms of hey, we're going to win these ugly games. Um, and they've shown they can do that, but they've also now shown that like that that hasn't completely gone away. Like a lot of their mistakes have caught up to them. Um, and I, I push back on that idea of like of them being flat or not bringing energy or effort, which I've seen a lot of, um, I, but mostly just because like, Hey, I, it didn't, it didn't occur to me while I was watching it. I was like, I wasn't like, man, they're not fucking trying. Yeah. It was just like, they just don't look good. Um, but it wasn't anything that we haven't seen already. It's just, it just was, it's again, it's just the same as some of the same mistakes. Um, and the defense wasn't playing lights out. And Michigan State was, you know, coming at them with, with um, that extra aggression. Um, and the referees weren't, you know, helping them out in a lot of situations. And so I don't, I, unless you're inside the, a player's head or you're their coach and you know them really well, um, I don't think anybody can make that call of like, oh, they're flat or they're not, you know, in, in the zone. Um, I think maybe uh, disjointed. It just... The, the, it was it just, wonky. It just, yeah, it just didn't look even even with as difficult as it is has been this season for the offense to move the ball. Um, there were there have been drives where you can see the efficiency and you can see them getting into that groove. Mm-hmm. And it just it Michigan State did a good job. I want to give them credit defensively that I think that they just Nebraska I think might have expected them to be more in a spy situation and and I think they were just more aggressive than they anticipated Michigan State being, and it kept them off schedule. And you can't be off schedule in a in a in the Big Ten because the defenses are are good enough, the talent is good enough to take advantage of those opportunities. Yeah. Um, I will say too, you know, if you if you take out um the 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 deep interception that was basically a punt, which I think Satterfield's even said and our rule has even said, like we take chances on balls like that because if it's third and eighteen, I think is what it was. It's like it's basically a punt. Yeah, and they had it. Yeah, like they had. He was open. Touchdown. The ball was just, just placed wrong, or the route was ran wrong, or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I thought this was one of the cleaner games that Nebraska has played, penalty wise. They had zero penalties. Zero penalties. Uh, turnover wise, it was really like I said. I'm taking that punt out of the equation. So you've got really one interception, uh, and one fumble is what I would count in that game, right? Mm-hmm. You had the one weird fumble that like shot up the field. It was well. It wasn't. I mean, it was a fumble because our tackles missed their blocks. Like that wasn't. That was just great pressure off the edge, yeah. and Harburg never had a chance to step up out of it. 
um, or to tuck it and protect the ball was just um, from the get go. There was there that that play was over with. So that so, was Michigan State just. So I I guess you know you're gonna look at this and you go oh there were four, you know, f- two fumbles, two interceptions, but really. To me, this was actually more of a cleaner game. They just weren't able to execute offensively the way they needed to. And then, yeah, like we've been asking all season, what happens when the defense has a game where they aren't the defense that they have been the rest of the season? Mm-hmm. Well, if you have, you know, three takeaways and then the de- Nebraska's defense doesn't get any, you don't get any big special teams plays or anything like that, and everything's on the offense's shoulders, that's not complimentary, right? right. Like that's not the kind of football that Nebraska needs to play with to win right now. And so you walk out with a loss. If you can't complement each other's play, then that's what happens. And so, you know, I guess I'm not as disappointed as I thought I would be coming off of this game because it felt like the perfect trap situation where uh, that's not fair because Michigan State's not a trap game. You know what I mean? Um, But it felt like kind of we were going to eventually see, like you've been saying, the mistakes catch up. And they did. And, you know, Nebraska kind of earned the loss as opposed to earning the win like they have the past few weeks. Yeah. Um, so should we flip the switch defense. to you defense? defense? Yeah. yeah what, um, do you, what do you have on defense? Because I mean, we kind of talked about it. They just didn't look quite as sharp as they usual usually were. They were giving up um, chunk plays in the passing game. Um, I thought they still, again, did a good job containing the run. Michigan State's got a good running back in Carter. He's a big... I like he's Carter a, a lot. He's a big dude. He's a handful... Um, he can be very punishing and they, you know, despite Michigan State's court Hauser primarily, you know, doing a good job of distributing the ball and getting it to playmakers, um, Nebraska continued to handle the run game. They never let the pass game open things up. Um, and so I thought that was great that I think the biggest disappointment was the lack of turnovers. And this is another one that we've talked about too, is, is this is kind of the one thing that's been missing from this defense all year is that they don't. They just really do not generate turnovers. They they can create pressure and they can create chaotic moments that just never capitalize. Um, and Michigan State is a team that that's been prone to that sort of thing, um, especially at the quarterback position. And so you know, Kattenhauser um, probably played his best game you know of his young career. Um, they were able to rotate in their other freshman quarterback in Levitt, and Levitt, and he did a fine job too. And so. Um, you know, that was a, another big difference maker. And, and when, when you're a defense that is normally lights out and you're still playing a great game, but you're not quite playing up to snuff. Like if you don't create those big momentum swinging plays at least once or twice in the game um, to, to help a struggling offense get back out on the field or to, um, you know, help help kind of maybe change field position when when your um, special teams isn't helping you there then, you know, it, again, it's just a recipe for kind of a slow, <laughs> slow bleed out, uh, essentially, of a game. And so I think that's what we saw, uh, or at least that's what I saw overall. Yeah, I, I thought, again, just like they did on the defensive side of the ball, I thought Michigan State had a good plan offensively. They were going to get the ball out quick. They were going to try and, you know, attack the the perimeter, try and attack the edge. Nebraska did a good job with containing. Uh, Carter's a guy who does like to run on the edge. He's He's big enough and fast enough that he can get out there and be punishing. Uh, against guys in the secondary trying to miss tackles and I thought Nebraska's defense still did a great job like they have all season pursuing they tackled well Um, if the first guy missed there were you know there were other guys around there so Michigan State didn't hit with any huge big plays Um, but Nebraska you know some chunk yardage was given up on a few key passing plays but it wasn't like you know something went for an 80 yard 
touchdown or anything like that. Like the tackling was still solid. They were still guys flying to the ball. There were opportunities for interceptions, but guys were just trying to stick into coverage. And I think that's conducive of when you're playing from behind, you're just trying to play sound defense. And I think that's something where, again, these guys are still in that mindset where they've got to learn, they've got to grow. And as good as this defense has been, that it shows us that there's still an opportunity for these guys to grow and evolve into ball hawks and, and guys who are going after those kind of things. So um, I still thought there was there was a good amount of good, and I and holding a team to twenty points should win you the game. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like the kind of performance the defense gave on Saturday should have been good enough. Um, but the Big Ten West is is the weirdest place in the world, right? It's the <laughs> it's the tunnel in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. You just don't know what's up, what's down, what's left, what's right. Um, so yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think what else. Oh. The other thing that I thought was was really good on Michigan State's part is, you know, they kept their quarterback clean for most of the game. There wasn't a whole lot of pressure being put on whoever was in the backfield um, for uh, for Michigan State. And it wasn't until later in the game that Nebraska was able to to bring uh, their guy down. I think they had Nebraska two sacks, I think, yesterday, uh, if I remember correctly. And, and that felt low like that. Should have been something where we were able to get more pressure, but I think that because of the talent Michigan State has in their wide receiver room and the way those guys are able to spread the field apart, uh, Nebraska wasn't able to bring a whole lot of extra rushers and try and get home. And anytime they did, I feel like they kind of got, uh, uh, you know, 10, 12 yards thrown on them. So mm-hmm. um, Michigan State, again, offensively, I thought schemed well. They came prepared. They came hungry. They came ready to fight. And again, not a bad performance by the defense by any means, but still showing that there's room to grow with generating turnovers and, like you said, swinging that momentum. Yeah, so uh, kudos kudos to Michigan State. They 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 had a lot of outside noise, and uh, this was this was their senior their their seniors final home game. Yeah. Um. So you know, despite having you know nothing on the line, and in, in a lot of sense, um, they did they had a lot on the line. You know, as far as like personal things go, pride, and um, you know, fighting for uh, an interim coach who's a Michigan State guy, fighting for the colors you know, of your team. So, yeah, I mean, credit where credit's due. They, they came out, they fought hard, um, and they, they took the win, you know, they didn't wait for it to come to them. They went out and took it, which is something that Matt rule preaches, right? Yep. Go out and take it. If you want it, it's not going to just come to you. Yeah. Do you want to talk about special teams? Uh, I love their field goal kicker, Kim. He's, he's got a hell of a leg. Oh, Noah Kim. Yeah. No, Noah Kim's their quarterback. Oh, uh, they've got two Kim's. Oh. They got a different Kim, but I don't know his first name, but okay. he's just a good field goal kicker. kicker. Kim? He's got he's got a hell of a leg. I think his long of the season was 58, but he was, mm-hmm. he was two for three on the day, but uh, could have easily been three for three. That last field goal just barely broke on him to the right. Yeah. Um, Their punter had a great game. He sure did. I mean, there, and there's no wind in this in no. this game. I mean, it was just, it was a perfectly calm day. And Punter had a good game, and Nebraska was in a tough situation with having Billy Kemp back there. He was obviously back there to just field the ball cleanly. Um, so that there weren't any turnovers in, in on special teams um, because he had room to run on a few of those, and I don't think that he was 100% healthy. I don't think he was, but yeah, I, I'm of the opinion, again, just not, I don't, I'm not at practice. I don't know what, what their, what like Ethan Nation looks like. Um, yeah. They, you know, they put him in on the last one and he tried to return it. Um, but if, if Billy Kemp is injured to a point where you'd, you'd, are just having them fair catch. Don't have him back. Just don't have him back there. You put Ethan Nation in. Like he sure. even talked about. Like we're gonna yeah. have Ethan come in next next week. And so I don't know if if, if they didn't see enough out of Ethan um, in practice this week where they felt comfortable where he was gonna you know 
be secure back there. Um, it just, it, that felt very, very conservative. And it seemed to me to go against a little bit of what, what Rule has preached and, and, the, and what Ed Foley has said about um, wanting to return kicks and using special teams as a weapon. And so um, in, a, in a game where not a lot's going your way, uh, and your and your team feels like they're just not uh, you know functioning the way that you'd you'd like to see them. Uh, that felt like a, a maybe a missed opportunity there to um, be a little more aggressive. In my again, in my opinion. Sure, um, I'm I'm gonna push back on your push. I know you're going. To. That's why I kept saying in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I don't I don't necessarily have an issue if if Billy Kemp was just back there to cleanly field the punt to secure the ball and give the ball back to the offense. When your team has been plagued with turnovers in all phases of the game, I think it's okay to just try and get to a neutral, like get to a baseline and then work beyond that. A lot of what Matt Rule says and and a lot of what we've talked about too with like with Satterfield, some of his play calling, you're like, okay, this feels like developmental play calling, not like we execute this perfectly play calling. Well, I think that sometimes what Matt Rule says in the press conference is, is not here's what we want to do this week. It's here's what we want to do as a team. This is what we want to develop to. Like we want to be a team that doesn't fair catch balls, that blocks stuff. Like I think that there's a level of at some point he's got to look at it and go, this is this is a weakness in our team right now. And if I can eliminate the weakness, like that's at least a gain, just working my way back to net neutral. But if but if Satterfield's gonna call a developmental game, like where he's like, you know, I know we can't execute series. this. He calls a develop or a series, okay. Yeah. If he's going to call a developmental series where he's like, I know we can't necessarily execute this the way we want to, but we need to practice it in a, in a pressure situation. Sure. Why not do that on punt? Like, like on punt return? I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm saying that's what I feel like sometimes we take what rule says as we're doing this immediately as opposed to I want to develop into this. I yeah. think they should have had Nation in there too because there were clear or opportunities. Either have, yeah, have Nation in there. Or have Billy run it. Um, or don't have or have tell Billy, hey, if it's inside the ten, let it go. Yeah, that too. Because I think three times he fielded it inside. Yeah, like the an 10. eight, a six, a and fair a, catch. Yeah. yeah, and it's like at that point, like there's to me, and because Nebraska's been pinned deep, like we started on our half yard line before, and we've been able to work our way out of it. Um, just let the ball bounce, like starting on your eight or your six, as opposed to your one if their coverage unit like gets down there and actually is able to down the ball, which isn't guaranteed. Um, to me, it's not a big enough difference, like as opposed to the difference between fair catching it three times inside your 10 as and, and instead of getting it maybe twice on your 25 yeah. when your offense is struggling. And so that that's another, uh, another bit of my frustration was like, I, I understand, yes, Billy Kemp is your best in terms of security. Um, but it, it was just, there just wasn't stuff that I agreed with. Sure. So. And I think, I think that's more than fair. What I will say is on this season so far, we haven't had a team run a fake punt successfully against us, which is something that happened a lot in the past four years where like everyone went back to block, you know, for the return man. And then the, <laughs> remember when like Illinois ran a punt and the guy was like, am he, I really he, this? He was, oh, he he was conf- yeah. <laughs> he, he juked a ghost cause he wasn't we can, sure, like, we can laugh about that. I now. think that there is, again, I think there, there's something to be said about working your way back to your net neutral before evolving beyond. And on a game where I know rule says, you know, we're not looking at the season as a whole on the picture, but I do think that some of that creeps in, right? Like, you know, what's at stake if you win this game 
So let's just try and eliminate one of the, the areas that's been a, a bugaboo for us, which is these turnovers. Now, yeah. as far as as far as camp fair catching within the 10, I, I agree with you on that. And I think that that's something that he's brought up in the past few press conferences. Ed Foley said the same thing that like they don't think their punt return game is great right now. Yeah. Um, and, and so like I don't I don't have an answer for that. I'm saying that some of this stuff I can look at and go, I, I understand it. Yeah, it doesn't see, make well, it any less frustrating. See, and then I, I would see, and then I can push back on on this thing about just using. Yeah, pushing, let's just baby. pushing. Uh, you know, they were they were being aggressive in the pump block, and so they were putting Billy out on an island to yeah. the point where he was essentially forced to fair catch and secure it because he had no safety net. Um, which that like if 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 he's back there and you want to keep him safe, like give him some fucking protection. Don't, yeah. you know, you like, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's just unusual to me to be aggressive in trying to block the punt, but incredibly conservative on the other end of it when you could have balanced it out a little more and maybe done at least a little bit more protection on the, the punt return or trying to generate a punt return rather than trying to generate the huge, big splash play in the, in the block. So I don't know. They, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't I don't feel like I am even close to being qualified to really assess what's going on. But <laughs> <laughs> but here I am with the microphone. Um, you know what I like is, is that five minutes ago you were very apathetic. Like you want to talk about special teams <laughs> and you've just been angry now for the past. That's why I didn't want to get into it because I knew we were opening a can of worms. Yeah. So on, on top of that, you know, we talked about the defense trying to help flip the field with maybe a turnover. Special teams, uh, Bushini also had kind of a rough day yesterday trying to flip uh, the field. Wasn't, yeah. wasn't his best performance. You know, it was, it was a Colorado-level performance um, as far as what his foot was doing out on the field. And, um, you know, when he's good, he's great. Mm-hmm. And I think it's one of those things where, you know, it's a temporary yip situation where you just have it for the day or you don't. Uh, he has it a whole lot more than he doesn't, but I don't think that there was a lot of support on any area of the special teams other than uh, Tristan putting one through. So yeah. um wish he would have had a chance to put a second one through right at the end of that game. That would have been something. Take that into overtime. Should have. Yeah. He should have. It's another reason to, man, like. Do you think he could have made it from, there was, from yeah, 80? Yeah. From 80, yeah. <laughs> 80, no wind. 85. The Yeah, considering the the misplaced ball, the you know the the fumble that wasn't a fumble. There was time. Um, there was still time. There was plenty of time, yeah. and and his range is so great. And again, no wind. You know the elements were just right. Um, I think he's a he is an ice in his veins type kicker. I don't think the moment would have been too big. Um, I wanted to see him get that opportunity. Yeah. Not just not just as you know, like a fan wanting to see my team win, but like for for him to have that opportunity. I felt like I don't know. I felt like it got you know stolen away from him. So. Well, anyway, yeah. So there it is. Let's move on. Nebraska yeah. falls twenty to seventeen to Michigan. Michigan State. Uh, Nebraska's at uh, five and four. You know what is funny though? Um, when you look at the the Big Ten West, like the right teams lost, so that like Nebraska moved <laughs> moved up in, yeah. the, <laughs> in where they stand. Like they have the most beneficial draw now. That was that was the one thing. As I was watching the game, I was kind of following along. Um, with the other games that were going on in I can't the believe Wisconsin lost to Indiana. Um, well, that, yeah, so I was like, okay, I was like, Indiana's putting up a fight. Um, and I know Iowa went later, and then I think Minnesota lost at an 11 o'clock slot. So, like, though, like I was watching it. I was like, I was like okay, like, they're, they're down right now, 
but they're gonna like they're gonna win these games. They're yeah. gonna come back, and they didn't. Like Illinois won. Northwestern, um, well, Illinois, not Northwestern came back. Illinois came back and won yeah. in, in in Indiana, and it was like holy shit. Like, but that, that's not just a man. Like, I was I was kind of counting on those teams pulling off the win so that it would take away that like that's like oh man we really like really blew an opportunity here, um, but at the same time. Uh, I also know that I'm very delusional in um, buying into the idea that this is a team that can or should make it to Indianapolis. Like, technically, yeah, they can because the numbers say they can. Um, and they, the chaos going on says they can. But, like, just focus on the just focus on Maryland. Like, don't, yeah. you know no, what no, I mean? No, no, like, no. Don't, yeah. like, don't think about bowl games. Don't think about Indy, for God's sake. Like, just focus on, you know, the next play, the next game. Cool. Yeah. Well, let's grab another beer and then we will focus on Maryland. Nice. All right. We are back. Oh my gosh. My voice sounds so much more full. I guess this is the magic of good beer. Good beer. Yeah. Well, Drew, Drew, tell us about this beautiful, delicious beer that we are drinking. Cause yeah. man, you have, you've provided two knockouts from Lumen. So, well, Lumen provided two <laughs> knockouts. I just, I just happened to pick them up. Um, this one is called void. It's a black IPA clocks in at six and a half percent, 40 IBUs. It is quote brewed with Citra mosaic and Columbus cryo hops. Um, and so this is an, this is a black IPA is a, uh, another just kind of a radical style that it's one that maybe like beer, beer purists would say isn't real. Um, but so you're going to get the, the, you know, it's a dark beer. It's going to be a lot heavier on like the roast and, and, um, roasted malts, but it's still heavily hopped in the way that like a, maybe like a West coast IPA would be hopped. And so, um, this is going on. I, I picked, I picked these two beers because of their names. Which their names and their and their alcohol content because I knew I knew you had a rough week. Um, Saturday didn't do anything to to help anybody, and and so, um, so that's what we went with. But uh, yeah, this is a again another another unusual beer, um, in terms of style, but another knockout punch by by Lumen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um. So. You you mentioned that like the, the the black IPA is a bit of a renegade. It's radical. It's it's something that's not, you know, some some purists might scoff their nose. What makes a, a black IPA uh, like a black IPA? What are, what are they doing? They're just they're you're just adding a lot of darker malts, and okay. so you're letting the malts um, be kind of not I want to say the star of the show, but like with an IPA, you, all you're trying to do is just come up with with a a super simple malt profile that's going to get out of the way so that the hops can come through and then you're going to hop the hell out of it because you want you know like um you you still want some some balance but you want high bitterness and you want you know maybe if you're aiming for um you know floral or citrus notes or whatever the 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 aromas and the um and the flavor of the hops are all going to be taking center stage and so if anytime you throw in darker malts like those things, a they're they're bitter in and of themselves, and so they they can really throw off the um, throw off the beer in that sense and make it almost unpalatable. Um, or b they're they're gonna they're gonna take over and clash with with the way that um, hops tend to profile. And so a black IPA um, throws in those darker those darker malts, those big roasted black malts, um, and but still adds in all those hops and finds a way somehow to make it all work. And so it's incredibly difficult, 
you know, to, to pull off and make it good. Um, but you know, it's I, any, any, any and every beer has been done. Um, and, and so Lumen did it here. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's just a super, super hoppy, dark beer. I love it. And it's, it's so fucking it's good. It's so good. Yeah. It's so good. The The citrus notes really shine through on this one. I think that's where, you know, you talk about the malt being a, a kind of a malt forward beer and then clashing with the IPA aspects, the maltiness of the hops, or excuse me, the the, the hoppiness of the beer. Um, the citrus notes really shine on this guy. And I think that's because you have that that nice base note of the maltiness so that you have these high, high notes of citrus um, and then you get a little bit of dank that comes through and then it finishes on this nice kind of sweet bitterness. I know that's kind of a contradiction there, but like there's a good sweetness mm-hmm. and a good bitterness that really just cleanses everything out. Uh, and then that citrus just hangs out like it's there the whole time. Yeah. Um, so this is this is really nice. This is a great beer. Um, again, both of them have been excellent. I, I highly recommend folks make their way to Lumen. It's in Omaha. It's downtown. Uh, and, and you said when you went there, it was hopping. Yeah, it was. Yeah, we went, um, I went last night, Saturday night, um, after the game and they were, yeah, they were packed and they were busy, but, um, not like to a point where you're like, you feel cramped and crowded. Like we were still, still able to get a a table for four of us and, um, you know, got our beers quickly and, and, uh, we're able to enjoy, you know, just the atmosphere. It's a cool, it's a cool space. Um, it's in a historic building. The building's over a hundred years old. Um, little Bohemia, like we, you talked about, it's, it's, uh, it's an old neighborhood that's up and coming in yeah. a way. Um, it's, it's just South of downtown and there's a lot to do down there. Just everything within walking distance, a lot of fun little places to visit and peek into. So, and Lumen's just another, you know, another feather in the cap. So there you go. Yeah. All right. Well now it's time for us to turn our attention and go one and oh this week as Nebraska takes on Maryland 11 AM kickoff. Going to be on the Peacock Network. Let me say that again. <laughs> we The back half of that word was emphasized. Peacock. <laughs> that wasn't intentional. It's going to be on Peacock. And uh, Nebraska's first game on Peacock, but not Maryland's first game. So they're going to already be used to it. Yeah. You know. What's that say about Maryland's brand? I don't know. I don't know either that anymore. They're, that they're a bunch of like showboating birds. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know enough about Peacocks. Um. So and this is wow. Could this be dying anymore? Could this be any? As you, you didn't even come in to save me. You turned. I was your head. hiding in my drink. You, I said what I knew about peacocks as a bird. You turned away from the microphone and took a drink. You didn't come in there to rescue me. You didn't. Yes, and there was no. There was no nothing. There was no saving me from that comment. So Nebraska takes on Maryland Saturday, November eleventh at eleven a.m. The game will air or stream, I should say, on Peacock. Right now, as we sit, Maryland has a two-point advantage in the spread. So uh, Maryland is the uh, negative two. On the road. Yeah, yeah, on the road. It's I think it opened at two and a half. So the line has moved a little bit just as it opened. Um, I could see this being a push. I'm kind of glad, though, to see Nebraska as the dog. Like, I, I think that we need that attitude the rest of the season, right? Go into it being the underdog. Be the guys that have something to prove, right? Yeah. If a, if a team with on a what four game losing streak is coming into your house and they're favored to win. You should fucking take that personally and let that motivate you. Let that be part of the motivation that goes into this week. So I don't hate it. I saw that and I was like, good, you know, that's a, that's a Jocko kind of response. Good. Have you heard, have you heard of that? Like, I don't know what you're rep- uh, So Jocko is a, is a Navy seal. He's a motivational speaker. He's a guy who, um, 
just has a really interesting perspective on life. But anytime something happens in your life, his response is always good, whether it's good or bad, good that it happened, prepare for it, attack it, move on. So like if, if, if you're the, if you're the underdog, good, prepare like the underdog, go out and, yeah. and, and swing bigger. So you got allergies that are fucking your voice. Good. Good. It makes everyone else laugh. <laughs> okay, there you go. Thank you. All right. Just want to see how you would spin that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Jocko's taught you well. Welcome to the spin zone. <laughs> I'm surprised it didn't come out. Welcome to the spin zone. Oh, <laughs> uh, anyways, let's dive right in, man. Okay. Maryland's offense. Maryland's offense. Maryland's offense. It is, is not offensive. It is it is a real offense compared to uh the Big Ten West. This is an offense. Yes. Well, so okay. Here's the thing about Maryland. Like on paper, if you look at if you look at where they, um, you know where they rank as a whole in the year and like in the offensive production that they've had, um, they have been really good, but they are sort of a, t- a tale of two teams, two two seasons within one. Yeah. Um, you know they were pretty lights out in their first five games. They won them all, obviously, and now now they're on this four game skid, um, and a big part of this losing streak, I mean, aside from playing, I know some, some tougher opponents, um, is, is the offensive production has taken a pretty heavy dip. Um, it doesn't mean that they're not, uh, you know, still, still very talented and, um, especially, you know, Talia Tagovailoa at quarterback. I mean, he's, he's always going to be dangerous. Um, they've got a lot of receiving weapons. They've got, uh, Hemby back there running back. Um, but they just haven't been, they haven't been performing up to, up to their standard. Um, for for four straight games now, and so uh, um, a big part of that to me, I think it comes back to just how their offensive line has been operating and, and what they've been dealing with there. Um, defensive defenses have been able to disrupt a lot of what they want to do. They haven't been able to run the ball effectively. Um, their their passing game continues to be dangerous, just not as explosive. Um, so there's a lot of little little uh, issues that they've been having lately that have been hanging them up um but that's not something that that you can just like chalk up to like that's what's gonna that's not the product that's gonna show up to lincoln on saturday um and so it'll it'll be interesting to me to see you know which one of the marylands are we gonna see yeah you you touched on it uh near the end of your uh, little bit there but glad it took me a while yeah (laughs) well i just i'm gonna start with the offensive line okay it's where i want to start with them and and I think Maryland is aware of what their offensive line product looks like, and they almost seem okay with what their offensive line production looks like because of the way that Talia likes to get outside of the pocket and operate kind of on the move, on the rollout. Um, they like to run. They don't run down the middle. They're, they're attacking the perimeter. They're trying to get guys to move. They're trying to get the defense moving in a direction as opposed to just being able to run downhill. And I don't think that anything like that is going to change for Maryland. I think they're saying, okay, this is, this is the productivity we're getting from our offensive line. So we're going to scheme ourselves to the sense that they kind of come out of the game. So Nebraska's defense is going to have to be pretty sound, I think, on the perimeter and help contain uh, Talia uh, to help shut down and, and disrupt a lot of what's going on there. Um, the other thing that I think is interesting, because they don't have an offensive line where they can establish a run game, their passing game opens up because of their passing game, right? They're going to start, and and I, I expected the way that Maryland would attack, especially with Tagovailoa in the backfield, I expected them to attack with a lot of deep threat, a lot of deep shots, a lot of, you know, YOLO bombs, throwing them downfield, scheming guys open. But they're doing a lot more short and midfield passing to help bring guys down so that way the the defense kind of gets caught off guard to open up the bigger passing plays. 
they're not relying so much on their run game to open up the passing as they are relying on their short passing game to get going and get in rhythm to then extend that down the field. And that's a, a unique approach, I feel, that uh, Maryland's done a good job offensively trying to scheme to what they do well. Yeah, well, that I, part of it, I think, is an adjustment, too, is, it, is they've faced tougher defenses this year, and as that offensive line has um, weakened, especially in the middle, um, they've been forced to adapt. And so if you want to take deep shots, you need time to get your guys downfield, and um, and they just haven't had that. And so you've seen um, you've seen their pass attempts as, as far as like uh, yards per attempt has gone down. Um, it went for it. Would, they were they were operating almost nine yards in the attempt. Now they're down to six. Um, and so they they're they're adapting in that sense, right? And, and they're able to do that. They're instead of running the ball, they're using um, Hemby as as an extension of his, his passing. Uh, his use as a receiver, as an extension of the run game. Yeah. Um, it's just the, that that explosiveness and that effectiveness um, isn't quite what I think that they, they want it to be or need it to be in, in order to um, take over games. Yeah. And so um, it's, it's, yeah, they're very much aware of who they are right now. And I, and I actually think they've done a good job of trying to like hide those, those warts and, and cover them up. Um, and continue to still put points on the board. Um, it's just it just hasn't it hasn't quite been enough. Yeah, they they they, they haven't been as good. As, if they just had a comp a competent offensive line, like they they could easily be, I don't know, seven and two at this point. I mean, sure. you know, like you know, losses to the big teams, but then just taking care of business uh, with everyone else. I, I think a lot can be said too. You know, two of those four losses that they encountered four in a row of uh, were two Big Ten West teams. You know, so they're facing these defenses that are going to be a downhill defense that are going to take away anything small and simple for you. And they're going to force you uh, to scheme open and to work their way open. And time is not, you know, an, a valuable asset in the Big Ten West, right? Like our, our defenses are going to get on top of you. They're going to make you make quick decisions. And, and I think Nebraska is going to be no different on that. You know, Nebraska's wanted to bring pressure. I think this is an opportunity to respond for the secondary for Nebraska's uh, defense and uh, be more aggressive in the pass game when it comes to coverage and maybe have to bring an extra guy to keep uh, Talia Tagovailoa off schedule, right? I think the offense lives and dies by his arm and his decision-making. And if we can keep him uncomfortable, keep him moving, not let him set and throw uh, and be where he wants to be, I think that gives you not only opportunities to shut this offense down, but for the defense to do what they didn't do against Michigan State, which is to create turnovers. Yeah. And I think that those are going to be on the table. I think there's going to be opportunities for that. Um, and I, I also, I kind of think, hey, you know, yeah, we lost the Michigan State game, but it's that's pretty damn good motivation to come out fiery and hungry and, and accomplish something that hasn't been done around here for a long time. Uh, and I think that this is, this is going to be a very motivated Nebraska defense that comes out. And they've been hearing all season that this is a game where, oh, we got to look out for this offense. And I think that this is a similar task ahead of them that they found in a Colorado, right? Where like, we know this is a team that's going to want to pass the ball on us. They want to be high powered. They want to be aggressive on offense. They want to get out to a quick and early lead because they may not have as much faith in their defense, but they know that their defense can probably shut down our offense or, or, you know, something of the sort. And I think that this is another chance for Nebraska's defense to say, okay, what happened against Colorado is not going to happen again. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the thing that's given me the biggest pause. Um, with it with this game and, and with our defense lining up against their offenses that they do remind me a lot of 
of Colorado. Um, they have an incredibly talented quarterback. The difference between Tagovailoa and, and uh, that other guy is um, Tagovailoa can run and he's willing to run, um, but he's got a lot of weapons. Like in the, and they like to use their running back um, in the passing game, and they don't have an offensive line, and they know it. And so it's like they get all these things are lining up um, to be very similar. The the difference is that Nebraska's defense has grown and developed and, and really like become this the strength of this team um and so while we're facing a similar offense in this game our i think our defense is different yeah um, i agree just just with where they are in in terms of their their ability their understanding of of the defense what tony white is asking of them um the experience that a lot of these guys now have you know, having rotated in so many different different bodies, um, it's 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 kind of like a second chance opportunity. Um, you're getting it at home. You're getting it with bowl eligibility again on the line, and so yeah, there's there's a lot on the table here, and a and a and a bit of redemption, um, redemption from earlier in the season, redemption from last week, the way you, the way the the, the defense played and so yeah it's a it's a it's exciting yeah it's exciting to me um but all of that said is it uh you you said turnovers were going to be a big part of this game and i and i, I think agree. they need to be yeah um michigan state was one of those teams where you thought man like here's a here's the right here's the right team you know that we're, we're rolling up against um a team that that has put the put the ball um in dangerous dangerous spots and uh, for whatever reason, we weren't able to capitalize there, and uh, Maryland's the same. Maryland, again, it's it's this is this is an offense that for the first five games um, against what you would argue is weaker competition was just absolutely clicking, but they were protecting the ball. Yeah, and the the last four games on this losing streak, their their turnover margin is negative eight. It was it was plus nine and uh, and negative eight. That's a seventeen point swing you could yeah. say um i mean that's that's tremendous and so you can see how and why they're losing these games even these games where you feel like they'd be favored against like the big 10 west teams and so you know nebraska is going to have an opportunity here but they're gonna have to create for themselves yeah you know against michigan state there were there were two opportunities that come to mind there was a tip ball at the line where it went right through uh might have been uh, i'm not sure whose hand it was it slipped right through and then there was another kind of floater that came out of the end zone for Michigan State uh, and had the the guy in coverage just turned around. I think that was another easy interception. I, yeah, Tommy Hill had his hands on a ball. It yeah. might have been it might have been Bayer who I think it was Bayer that that it slipped right through his hand. Quite get and, to it. Yeah. So I the opportunities are there. It's just again, it comes back to execution and um these are the things that those moments of execution you do it now and they they pay dividends not only in this game but in the long run to start kind of uh you know the the contagiousness of the turnovers, right? Let's let's let that become contagious to the defense now where it's been contagious with our offense. Um, I, I think this is going to be a good matchup on, on both sides of the ball. This is going to be the best matchup of the game is, is Maryland's offense against Nebraska's defense. And I, and I think there's an opportunity for Nebraska to reassert themselves and to build some serious momentum for the last uh, three games of the season. Um, I should say of the regular season, because who knows? No. Um, <laughs> But I, I like this matchup, and, and I think it's one where, you know, who whoever wins that matchup is probably going to walk away with the win uh, in this game. Yeah, 
uh, Maryland has they've they've constructed themselves into a, a take what the defense will give you type offense, and Nebraska has prided itself in it, in its best games on being a defense that just doesn't give you anything, and so um, we'll see. I mean, we'll see we'll see which which versions of these teams show up. But I think you're right. This is um, for just from like a just a no you know no skin in the game perspective this is this is a fun matchup yeah yeah it's it's two very different philosophies mm-hmm. going up against each other and, and and really knocking heads on on what kind of football team you want to build yourself around right like it's yeah. literally it's it's offense versus defense are we going to be an offensive team or are we going to be a defensive team and like Mike Loxley is is not shy about being an offensive team and Matt Rule is not shy about being a defensive team and so it's who wins like yeah one of and and you know Nebraska I mean Nebraska's uh pass protection hasn't been bad right and we have we have a lot of talent Buford is back he he came in and played against Michigan State which was nice to see um but Nebraska's strength has been stopping the run right like that's what they kind of hang their hat on and that's how you at least in the that's how you compete in the west Maryland obviously is competing in the east so they've had to construct themselves in a different way um, you know, they, they, they couldn't, they couldn't build themselves the way Nebraska wants to build themselves and expect to compete, uh, in their division. And so, um, it, it this feels like a game where it's like, okay, you can kind of like shoe in the idea that Nebraska is going to be able to handle anything that, that, that Maryland tries to do on the ground. Um, but, but will, you know, will Maryland be able to attack the edges and spread the field and, um, and, you know, maybe take advantage of, of the secondary which you know Hartzog and Quentin Newsom they've you know they've had moments where they've been beat you mm-hmm. know in one-on-one situations and um I don't know I'm I'm it'll be fun I, I say that now it'll be fun I'm gonna, I'm gonna be sick to my stomach when <laughs> by the time things uh you're gonna be sick to your stomach because you got to pay $5.99 to watch this on Peacock I'm pretty sure that we already have Peacock oh, okay. I, here's what I've learned about streaming services in my household is um I will not pay for any of them, right? Like I don't, I don't, I don't get any of them. And uh, if we didn't pay for them, I wouldn't necessarily know or care until a sporting event came up, and uh, and I would say, oh man, the only way for me to watch this is to, you know, purchase what X, Y, or Z. And I and I go to my wife and I say, hey, there's this soccer game on that I really want to watch. Or this football game's coming up. Is it okay if I I'm gonna is it okay if I start a free trial? I'll, I'll cancel it when the game's done. I just want to watch. And she like, oh, we've been we've had that streaming service for like three years. <laughs> I want to dissect that. You got to ask permission <laughs> to start a free trial. No, I I don't have to ask permission. I choose to. You sound kind of like a guy who has to. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, I don't because my wife fucking went out and bought them three years ago. <laughs> like, I don't. Um, I do not operate or oversee any of our finances. It's all, it's just not my thing. Um, she takes care of all of that, but I also, but like at the same time, like it's, a, I feel like it's a shared thing. And so yeah, I always say like, Oh, I don't know. And, but I'm a very conservative fiscally not. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I don't know. Yeah. I, I know your wife listens to this and she's, Oh, she absolutely does. And yeah. she's like, yeah, she's, <laughs> she's a wonderful like, person. She's like, I can't wait for him to find out about these other streaming services. No. He's been paying. What for. I'm going to say is I, I can speak on her behalf. If you yes. ever want to sign up for a free trial, you can, you don't have to ask. <laughs> I know. No, I know that I can. I'm putting my foot down in this fucking house. I'm going to sign up for that free trial. <laughs> I just think as a, as a couple. Yeah. Who shares finances. Yeah. 
that do you know what free trial means <laughs> there's there's no finances involved there in are, free trial no, there are but i'm i'm the type of person that will forget oh so you're basically you're like can i buy a month of this <laughs> instead yeah, of no can not, i can i sign up for this and then in a month will you please cancel it for me because <laughs> oh, okay so you're just asking her to set a calendar reminder yeah oh okay yeah just you I, know because when you were like can i sign up for this trial it's like <laughs> see, i see what you're saying <laughs> I never thought about it like that, but I, but yeah, I'm just so like, yeah. Anyway, we have Peacock. Long story short. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh man. You could go watch this at the zoo because they have Peacock too. (laughs) That was bad. That was terrible. I didn't earn that. That was so bad. Okay. Maryland's defense. I wish your voice would have given out at that point. Well, then people would have been left like, what did he say? (laughs) That wasn't funny. Um, Maryland's defense. I, I watched too much. Maryland football to come away with the fact that I don't understand what what their identity is or what they're trying to accomplish on defense. Okay. Let, let me say what I want to say. Yeah. Um and then I I want to just hear your thoughts on this defense. There's they have players. Uh, no, like <laughs> How many? Good ones. Oh, Usually okay. 11. Yeah. Um Gote at linebacker. Uh he's Great in the pass rush. He's a good spy on the quarterback. Tends towards the middle of the field. Is fast. He's physical. Uh, Shepard is a big body DB. Strong. He's all over the secondary. A great coverage player. Um, I like Hippolyte uh, as a linebacker. Leading tackler for solo tackles. Uh, Braid in the secondary as well. Um, His name's called a lot. Uh, I think he's the team's leading tackler. Uh, They have good players. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't get what they're trying to accomplish. And, the reason for that is like I, I watch what they what they did early on in the season and they were a very effective defense. And then I watch them against like Big Ten West opponents and they're letting the Big Ten West teams kind of pass all over them. They're softer in coverage. And I don't know if it's just like they're not prepared for it. And the Big Ten West is like, we're going to get them. We're going to catch them off guard because they think we're all we can do is run and we're going to throw the ball. Or if they tend to play more of like a keep everything in front, kind of a prevent defense. But then they've got these really aggressive linebackers who can kind of make you pay for it on the like I'm just... I, it does, it, I don't I don't know what they're trying to do. It's so a I, it's a weird. Deal. I'd love to hear what your thoughts are. Okay, I'm in the same boat as you. Fuck um, yeah. <laughs> I here's okay. Here's what I, here's how I see it, and I'll break it down by uh, layers of their defense. They run a three four scheme. They're not a heavy blitzing team at all. Um, what they like to do is they'll only bring three or four in pressure, and they like to drop seven to eight into coverage. On their defensive line, they just hold serve. They don't shed a lot of blockers. They're actually like, they're not even, nobody along their defensive line is like top 10 in tackling. Okay. Um, And yet they're a good run stopping defense. And so their linebackers, um, while they are dropping back to cover, their eyes are in the backfield and they're coming in to fill the gaps and stop to stop the run. Um, uh, Bo Braid, you brought up, he's a safety um, but he's a safety that operates like a linebacker, and so he'll also come in and fill in those run gaps. That's why he's the leading tackler on this team. Kind of like a Gifford, I mean, where he, he can, a, he can a rover, fill that spot. He can, a yeah. Ro- yeah, he's a rover type, um, but I think he's he's a rover type that I think like really leans into that, that run-stopping um, uh, sort of position. And then uh, defensive backs are, they are, like you said, they, they, they don't, come up they, they they don't rush they don't blitz them right like they are almost all about coverage 
Um, they do a lot of zone coverage. They don't like to do a lot of man. And that was a big switch that they made with their with their defensive coordinator a couple of years ago. Like they used to run a ton of man, um, where they would just have like a single high safety and opposing offenses knew what they were going to do and were able to take advantage of that. And so now they've decided to go like switch to a lot more zone type coverages, but they'll try to like disguise coverages and, and do different different things with that. Um, but it creates a lot of softness on the edges. And so you'll see teams that teams that are like from the West that are not pass prolific are able to, I think, take advantage of that because they can run these like simple like little curl routes or like quick inside slants. Um, and are able to just attack soft spots in the defense. Uh, and so and when when you have a defense that's not blitzing and aggressive like that, it just it, it feels like one of those defenses that's gonna be a just keep everything in front of you defense. And, th- and that's what they do and they, and they're, they don't give up a lot of explosive plays either. They're they're um, you know top 25 or whatever in the nation in terms of allowing explosive plays. And so it's like they're good like they're good, but they're not great. And it almost feels like that is what they're trying to accomplish. And it's it's weird to me. So, it, I mean, it, it sounds like a different type of, of complementary football, right? Where this offense, they expect to be this explosive pass-heavy offense that's able to move the ball down and score. And then you've got a defense that's going to keep everything in front, limit the big score, let let drives extend and be long, and then let the other team make the mistakes, right? Like, don't just stay disciplined and allow the other opponents. It's like when my dad plays ping pong. My dad's very good at ping pong, but he's not good because he's an aggressor. He's good because he's just got a, a very, I mean, my dad's a very good ping pong player when he wants to be aggressive, but he's good at just like sitting back and like letting the game come to him, and then he just takes a shot when it's when, when it's a very obvious, and then he just doesn't make mistakes. Yeah. So Maryland is my dad playing ping pong. I can see that. Right? Yeah. I got a good story, actually, about my dad playing ping pong, and I'll share this right now. Please do. Uh, because it's more exciting than talking about Maryland's defense. <laughs> we were on a cruise when I was in seventh grade, and um, on these cruise ships, they have, like, boat-wide competitions for certain competitions. Like, there was a free-throw contest. I came in third place. Nice. The entire boat can compete in these. You know, you're, like, looking at 2,000 people. You know, like 30 people will show up on the day for a competition or something like that. Most of them are drunk because they have unlimited yeah, booze. And the rest of them are children, <laughs> um, which is important to this story. So my dad signed up for the ping pong tournament. Okay. <laughs> okay. And uh, he was working his way through the competition and he wound up in the finals against a 10 year old. Oh, God. And the way the style of, of ping pong play that my dad does, like I said, is he just lets the opponent make the mistake. Um, he went to UNO and rather than going to class, he would just hang out in the ping pong rec center and just play ping pong all day against people. Like that was what he did. So like, that's where he got good at playing ping pong. Yeah. Um, so he's playing this 10 year old and, and he's just letting the kid kind of do his thing. Well, then the kid starts like slamming the ball on my dad and it's just like spiking the ball and stuff like that. And my dad can return those. He's not having a problem with it, but the kid's getting like real aggressive. My dad's kind of getting tired of it because he doesn't, that's not, that's not his style of playing ping pong. <laughs> yeah. So we were all watching. Everyone was gathered around. My whole family was like an extended family trip. All gathered around this ping pong table. And the kid like slams the ball and it goes past my dad. And it's there's a switch. That kid didn't score another point. (laughs) (laughs) My dad became the aggressor. And then, you know, in a situation where you're like, okay, just let the kid win. You know, and he gets the the gift certificate to the the gift shop on the boat. My dad destroyed that. (laughs) 
hand. I've never seen my dad more embarrassed after the end of that because he was like, I can't believe I did that to that poor kid. But man, he was really pissing me off. <laughs> oh my God. So anyways, I think Nebraska has an That's opportunity. <laughs> no, the, I love that. I love that story. The The way though that, you know, you describe that defense almost would be a, a good opportunity for Nebraska to find rhythm and to get back to being their identity, right? Like be who you want to be on offense and kind of impose yourself on this. Come out with that spark and that aggression that maybe was was missing in the previous week as far as the execution goes, right? Like we weren't executing the way we wanted to. This is a defense where uh, come come take what they're willing to give you and just focus on ball security and execution, right? Be physical, hold on to the ball, and see where that takes you. Because the other Big Ten West teams that Maryland played, they put up points against Maryland, right? Like there were points to be had, and these were this is. We're talking about Northwestern and, and Illinois, yeah. um, two teams that did not move the ball and score against Nebraska. There's an opportunity here for um, Nebraska to score some points against Maryland. Yeah, um, it's uh, this is going to come down to I think Harburg, and in, in which version of him shows up. I think if if he looks and plays like he did uh, against Michigan State, I think he's going to be in for a long day. And I think you know all Nebraska fans and the team will be. Um, but they're yeah they're there will be opportunities to to move the ball. Um, thing, things that I that I saw uh, from Maryland and that Nebraska can do um, is going to be the quick timing throws, and that's if if um, if Harburg and, and his receivers are able to to, to showcase timing and trust um, as far as like breaking out of routes and 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 trusting just trusting your guy to be there. And that guy to trust the ball to be there um, against, you know, a, a soft zone coverage and just keeping the ball moving forward uh, and, and getting a rhythm, like you said. And then as far as deep shots go, um, again, Maryland doesn't give up a lot of them, but Nebraska obviously likes to take those shots at opportune moments. And they've shown a propensity to get guys behind defenses. It's just a matter of whether or not they're going to connect. I think that, um, I honestly think that, Coleman could have, you know, one or two of those those big pass plays available to him in this game, and it's just they've got to they've got to make that work. They've got to find that connection because they're not going to have a ton of opportunities, but they will be there. Um, and then the last thing is is that the because the safeties are and the linebackers are so involved in this in stopping the run, their eyes are in the backfield for a very long time. Um, I think Nebraska might be able to utilize play action or a little bit of that like that read pass option in this game um, in order to just keep keep their defense focused on stopping stopping the run um, and and just drawing them in just long enough to get a guy behind them. And so maybe you're not going to rip off you know the big 40, 50 yard pass play, but 15 to 20 yards, yeah, that might be available. Yeah, I mean this this sounds like again, this sounds like an opportunity to correct the, the frustrations of the Colorado game, to make up for the sins of the Michigan game, and to respond to the frustration of the Michigan State game. Like it, This feels like a perfect opportunity where it's like, this is a winnable game if you can be the version of yourself that you want to be as a team. I'm talking about both sides of the ball here, and not just on, on offense. I think yeah. on offense and defense, right? You can respond to a lot of frustrations that were early in the season where it was like, man, we wish we could have had... Uh, the Minnesota game back, or we wish we hadn't turned the ball over so many times against Colorado, we'd have had a shot. We wish Michigan hadn't stolen all of our signs because that's what caused the loss there. Oh, yeah. That like, reminded me. Can I interrupt you? Yeah. I need to do apologize 
For what? I said nice things about Jim Harbaugh. Oh, you did. I was I was on it. I was on his boat. Yeah. I was riding with him. I was I was all about. I said, you know, I'm, I thought he was he was quirky, quirky. He's a weird dude. Yep. But he, had, I, I was like, he'd finally, you know, figured things out. Well, he did. And it turns out <laughs> <laughs> he figured him out a bit too well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So fuck that guy. <laughs> anyway, I just wanted to apologize for yeah. ever ever believing that he was a good college football coach who didn't cheat. Yeah. So, anyways, anyway, um. That's how I feel about this game is that there's a lot of opportunities on this game to play for more than just going to a bowl game. In fact, I think the bowl game should be the last thing on the list. What it should be is focusing on being that developmental team that you want to be. This is a game that proves that you have developed, you have grown, and you've become something better than you were at the beginning of the season. I'm coaching a, a, a little basketball team right now, my son's basketball team, and that's my message to them right now. And I'm not saying that like that's comparable, <laughs> right? But I'm saying that you're the Matt rule of this. No, I'm just I've, I've told league. them like this. These are kids who've never played basketball before. And so they're learning the game. They're getting frustrated when games aren't going their way. But like from first week to second week, defense got better. First week to second week, we scored more points. Like I told them my goal for you guys is just play better basketball at the end of the season than we did at the beginning of the season. And I couldn't always say that about Nebraska football the past however many years. This year I can say it. And this is another game to give me more evidence to be excited for 2024, 25, and beyond. Right? This is a game where if if you know this is this is a midterm. This is a final. This is however you want to look at it. Like this is a culmination opportunity where this is a team where it's the win is is there if you're willing to go out and take it. I like that. That's how I feel about it. Yeah. I like that. Special teams? Anything? I know they got they got some good returners. That to me is what jumps out about their special teams is that they do have the ability to open things up because they have a lot of good skill players on on Maryland. They have to be. The Big Ten East is is filled with skill players that are, you know, that definitely are are superior to a lot of other conferences. So you got to be sure in that return game and, and make sure your coverage is sound. Uh, but that's the biggest note I had takeaway wise for special teams. All right. Mine was on the on the opposite side of that. So with with kick return. Uh, Maryland's kick return, they average the average yards allowed ranks 132nd in the nation. Oh shit! Yeah, and it's not like they gave up one big kick return and only like three over their eight nine games, whatever. Like they're consistently giving up 26, 27 yards on a kick return. Um, Nebraska's kick return average yards gained ranks 27th, and so I feel like that's there, one might pop off an opportunity. Yeah, to to you know. Bring it, bring it out to midfield. Fucking bring it to the end zone. I don't care. Well, yeah, you would but, care. <laughs> you you would care, a lot. care a lot. Um, but yeah, so that that looked like an an opportunity there for Nebraska. Again, there's like we've said the word probably fucking a million times. It's this is opportunity. Yeah, like opportunity abounds in this game. The the um, the line of of two and a half points shows that the fact that Maryland's on a skid. Nebraska has clawed their way. You know, the, these past few games to. Um, you know, hold on to or gain and hold on to a a, a winning record. Um, it's just, this is pure opportunity here. So we're going to learn a lot about the team. We're going to learn a lot about their their mentality. I think. I, I so. think I think this is a strong, a mentally strong team. Mm-hmm. I look I look to them to be able to respond here, and and I look forward to this game and the stressors involved <laughs> with that. I can't wait to. Yeah. Oh God, it's going to be a hard one. I'd love to see that written down in transcript. I can't wait to, oh, God, it's going to be a hard one. Uh, do you want to go first? or? Yeah, I'll do it. I'll okay. go first. Okay, this is my prediction. 
When you find yourself on the wrong end of an ugly game, you go back to what you know works and get right the following week. For Nebraska, that's leaning on the run game and a stout defense. For me, it's predicting with puns. Maryland has been suffering from a reptile dysfunction the past month, and their season is on the brink of becoming a turtle disaster. But if this college football season has taught us anything, it's that no team in the Big Ten is going to just shell out a win. Nebraska will have to find a way to cover its offensive blemishes if they plan on snapping their bull drought, and something tells me they'll do just enough to pull this one off. Jamari and Princewell combine for three sacks. Tommy Hill makes a house call on special teams. Harburg rushes for 75 yards in the score. Nebraska wins by a hair, 23-21. to 21. Oh, man, we're kind of close on our predictions. Okay. Buddy, you could you could pun out all day. <laughs> I love puns. Oh, it's I so love good. puns. Oh, that's okay. good. I mean, you're calling so you're calling your shot with the special teams. I really touchdown. yeah, no, I really I really do think I think that um, So if they got Tommy back there as a returner, you're you're going to be licking your chops. Yep. I th- no, cuz I think that they I think that they with again with Billy Camp like they they had to be aggressive in the punt block because they knew they couldn't be aggressive in the punt return. And and it just this just feels like one of those things where it's like I I think they're going to try to force the issue um in some way or shape or form on special teams and I think that that's going to be our best opportunity just based on what we know about both these teams cool so I I uh, in the moment would hate a 23-21 game but <laughs> it's after- not it, it's not going to be no I don't it's not going to Nebraska's not going to pull away in this one right like no 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 this is going to be very uncomfortable the whole way yeah that's, we're that's passing kidney stones we said about Purdue yeah they sure pulled that one away. <laughs> anyways no, Ryan Walters is a good guy. We're on his side because he... Did you see him blow off yeah, Jim Harbaugh? Yeah, Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, fuck that guy. Yeah. I can't believe I said a nice thing about him. Oh, uh, that's that makes so me funny. mad. Uh-huh. Did you know that um, Maryland's offensive coordinator used to be the coordinator at Michigan? Did he? And is heavily involved in the sign-stealing uh, scandal. Oh. Yeah. And, and not only that, but ever since that the whole Michigan sign-stealing scandal... Uh, came to light that Maryland's offense has continued to like go downhill. Hill. Huh. Yeah, like weird timing. That is you weird know, timing. Like an outside noise. You think that he's like all, like his, his he's like. Maybe. Or maybe they're, they're Maryland's like, hey, we should stop stealing signs Oh, you too. think Maryland's doing it too? <laughs> I'm not going to oh. make that. I'm not going to make that accusation. You heard it here first, just... folks. <laughs> if it becomes the truth, though, yes, you did hear it here first. <laughs> all right. Okay. Here we go. All right. What is a terrapin? A terrapin is a small edible turtle found in a coastal marsh of the eastern U.S. What is a corn husker? A person that removes the husk from a corn cob. In short terms, a farmer. Do you know what a farmer does to a turtle when he's desperate? When the farmer, starved by circumstance, dreaming of a bountiful feast, comes across a creature lonely and meek such as a terrapin? He cracks its fucking shell. (laughs) He wrings its neck. And makes soup. Because when the farmer hasn't feasted for many years, he takes what the land gives him and shows no remorse. It's been years for this team to taste anything close to relevancy. On November 11th, these corn huskers will have a hunger for turtle. And regardless of the 11th's outcome, the following week, they'll have a hunger for a badger and a bird. For man is the apex predator. And all that stands in front of our humbled and starved farmers are a turtle, a rodent, and a bird. <laughs> Time to feast. Nebraska 26, Maryland 20. Woo. Yeah. So I think we're we're in a similar we're boat right where we think it's going to be a close one. Yeah. That makes sense why we lost to the Spartans. 
Yeah. Yeah. They got spears and shields. Yeah. And what we got? Pitchforks. Yeah. And overalls. Yeah. Yeah. A Cornhusker is also the machine that takes a corn, <laughs> but you know, didn't fully not, work. Yeah. That's right. We're not quite to a machine level. Oh, buddy. Yeah. It'll be a good one. It'll it will be, be a good one. It'll be a good one. This is, I, I will say. It'll I'm be a good one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm still, despite, you know, the, the, the awfulness of this, this past game. I'm still in a good mood overall about Nebraska football. Oh, like, oh I, I mean, in general, no, no, life's depressing and it's just a fucking hellscape. But as far as Nebraska football goes, uh, I feel okay. Like, I feel like, again, like there's just, there's so much still left on the table um, uh, that they can accomplish that at the beginning of the year, I don't know if we, anybody really necessarily felt like it was there. Yeah. Um, and they've shown just enough promise to make it, um, you know, of somebody like me feel just optimistic and, and just back to being excited and feeling like no matter what game we go into Michigan excluded cheaters that, uh, we have a chance. Yeah. Like I haven't felt that, um, in a long time and, and, and to be able to feel that despite like all of the negatives that this team has displayed, um, it's I don't know. It's just it's been uplifting. It's it's been uh it's been it's been a good season. I've enjoyed it. You know, we're we're sitting at five and five and four right now, and I don't think when the before the season started, a whole lot of people had Nebraska pegged to win against Minnesota. I think they would have thought Nebraska could have pulled off the Colorado win because we didn't know what you know the whole Dion coach team would look like. Well, but I also now. I also think yeah, they're <laughs> worse off than we are. Um, they don't have a winning record. Last time I checked, or an, a grip on that offense. I, and they're coordinating. We look, let me stay on track. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, sorry. We didn't expect to win against Minnesota. We didn't win uh-huh. against Minnesota. We thought we might win against Colorado, but we lost to Colorado. We also didn't think that Illinois was going to be who they were this season, and we wound up beating Illinois, a team that I think a lot of people had pegged to potentially be the the Big Ten West champions this year. I think that a lot of folks thought we can get Purdue, we can get Northwestern, we can get um, Northern Illinois, we can get La Tech. Uh, there's one more win in there that, that, oh, we thought we would have Colorado. Right, so we're right on track with with where we thought we would be for the season. There's just a few wins. There's a win and a loss that like gets swapped in there. Michigan State is a team that has historically recruited well. They've had great talent. We didn't expect there to be some sort of scandal to where this would be a team that's kind of you know, they're dealing with an interim. They're on the ropes. Who are they? What are they? That sort of thing. So I think that going into this Maryland game, we're right where a lot of people expected us to be. It's just there's a couple of wins and losses that you can flip around. So to be discouraged or disgruntled at this point to me is silly, right? Yeah. Like this is this is, this is is best case scenario right now. We're five and four going into our final um, three games with an opportunity to get to six. And the Big Ten West is still on the table. Regardless of if we get to Indianapolis, doesn't matter. It's the fact that like we're still in the hunt. We're playing meaningful football in November. And that to me is is joyous. Like that is a momentous occasion that we haven't experienced. I haven't experienced since my child was born. <laughs> so yeah. I'm good. Like yeah. I'm feeling great. Other than not feeling great. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> I tried. I tried to make it through all that. It's okay. All right. Well. For my sake, that does it for this week. <laughs> we want to thank everyone who tuned into this week's episode. If you have anyone who you think would enjoy a listen, we would truly appreciate your recommendation. 
Do not forget to follow us on social media at wannabewalkons and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Remember to do your part. Drink local drinks wherever you are. You can find more information on the drinks featured on today's episode by checking out the show notes. If you have any breweries you would like us to sample on the show, visit wannabewalkons.com to submit your recommendations. Thank you again for listening. Join us next week as we share our thoughts on Maryland, preview Wisconsin, and sample another Nebraska craft beverage. Bip, bip, beverage. Thanks for listening. And as always, drink big red. Drink big red. You fucked up. <laughs>